Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Nintendo! Nintendo Voice Chat for the week of June 27th, 2014. And this is your IGN Nintendo podcast, joined with a very special guest. I am your host, Jose Otero. Sitting to my right, a gentleman who is dressed like he was Captain America once on a television show, although he has IGN, IGN in the center. Yeah. Per Schneider. Hey. Brian Altano is also joining us this week. Welcome back. <laughs> and special guest, Colin Moriarty. Beyond. There you go. Beyond. Damn. Good way to Beyond. start. <laughs> How many more times? Can you plug in there? <laughs> I have to start bleep, bleeping it's like those the sharks out. Sharks and the Jets. Yeah, right. <laughs> we are the underdog. Here. Both of them were really broke. Yeah, uh, so cool. let's start with news, gentlemen. Before we get into shovel nine impressions, which is obviously why Colin is here to join obviously. us, uh, and we have a bunch of other things actually to talk about, which I'd really like to hear Colin's input on. Let's go through some news. So really quickly, first for folks, Summer Games Done Quick 2014 is happening right now. It's this week. Uh, this is an annual, biannual. Uh, excuse me, not biannual. Happens twice a year, uh, speedrun sort of um, thing that happens, charity event 
uh, to sort of frame it for folks. And uh, it's really fun. You can watch it on Twitch TV. Uh, we have a story about it on IGN. For example, guys, this morning, New Super Mario Bros. U and New Super Luigi U were both finished in roughly under 40 minutes. Like, it was oh, so man. good to watch. Really? Um, yeah, with shortcuts and just really high-level play. That's oh, just to put it in perspective. Awesome. We talked about speedruns on the show before, and I really think folks should check that out. Uh, then, really quickly, just want to point out there uh, another news story from this week. Nintendo president Satoru Iwata is going to miss this week's shareholders meeting due to surgery. So Iwata oh. wrote in an open letter that he had surgery last week to remove a growth discovered on his bile duct. It's kind of gross. Um, but oh, anyway. Why did he say all that? That is too much information. <laughs> if yeah. I, was, I wouldn't say a thing, yeah. that was me. Yeah, like, you wouldn't say anything? I mean, I would have been like, I'm sick. Yeah. Okay. They, they should be that, speci- uh, that specific about their upcoming catalog. Yeah. As opposed to being that specific <laughs> about his illness, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, so um, that uh, that shareholders meeting happens this week. It was It's actually happening after we recorded this podcast. So, if anything big comes out of that, make sure you check back at IGN.com and see what's going on there. I, I appreciate that. that. I, I think they are being specific because they, they want to put an end to rumors saying, you know, he didn't go to E3 because of mm. XYZ. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so. Because he was gonna I mean, afraid he was going to get burned by Sony and Microsoft. I actually read that in comments. People yeah. were like, "Oh, he was afraid to show up." Oh, are you an idiot? Does he care? No, He's no, no. But there, but there were there were theories <laughs> about you know him you know getting ousted, and that's why this is clearly a sign that that's not the case, right? Yeah. He there there's something going he on, and we wish him well. Yeah. Hopefully, it's it's nothing and benign and yeah, but, no, but, exactly. But, uh, but as far as I understand, I was going to say his his shareholder. You know, That's what I was going to bring uh, up. This I guess is the confidence rating like them reelecting him every year is going yeah. way, way down, right? This yeah. is the meeting where they basically give his approval rating, and that has been on the dip for the last couple of years as Nintendo's profits have also, like, I mean, they haven't recorded a profit in what, like, three years now uh, during their annual meeting. So let's see what happens. Mm. Um, Nothing. Also, he'll, be, he'll be fine. Yeah, That's I think he'll be fine too. To me, yeah. But- yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah, definitely. Um, also, uh, really quick, last get well wishes story uh, for folks. Uh, good friend of the show, Smash commentator, Winston Producto Smith, uh, basically announced due to health issues, he's going to be stepping down after Evo. He's not going to be doing any commentary. This guy is a very respected Smash Brothers Melee commentator. He's a community member, all around great guy. Uh, make sure you check out his work if you haven't already. If you watched last year's Evo, he was one of the gentlemen there. If you also saw, saw the uh, Smash Invitational, he was one of the uh, commentators there as well. So get well soon. Get well soon. Well. Get well, my man. And so he's still uh, commentating at uh, Evo this year. Yeah. You can watch it on IGN. July 11 is when it kicks off. So, wow. You yeah. heard it here, folks. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. So Aonuma told Game Informer that the next Zelda could be more than just single player. Kind of hinted. So, speaking to Game, uh, Game Informer, to promote Hyrule Warriors, you sighed. Uh, it was brought up that there's co-op gameplay in Dynasty Warriors, and basically, could that be replicated in the next entry of the main series? And his quote is, the two-player functionality of Hyrule Warriors is something that has traditionally, traditionally been done in Dynasty Warriors series. But they've uh, changed because of the hardware to use the second screen of the gamepad. Instead of having split screen on the television, you have one player playing on the television, one on the gamepad. When I was talking about making Zelda more than just a single player experience, that's something you will see in the future, maybe next year. That doesn't. I mean, it doesn't mean that the core Zelda game will be multiplayer. It doesn't. Sure. Mm-hmm. It could mean that there's an offshoot like Four Swords Adventures, right? Like, or a return of that franchise. Yep. It could also mean that it's like the Tingle Tuner, or you know, like Ubisoft just ha- just had Child of Light, where on the Wii U gamepad you can play along mm-hmm. and do different things. So it could mean a whole bunch of things, or it could just be saying, hey, you know, we have high aspirations for what we're going to do I, with a franchise. I think at at the most intrusive, I would allow it, not like I have any walls to put up around this thing, is sort of the way Journey handled it, which Mm -hmm. is just like you might come along some other players along the way, you might solve a puzzle Mm -hmm. with them, and then they're gone. Because, like, honestly, when I'm playing Zelda, leave me alone. Like, I don't want to be in a multiplayer world. Everyone wants this living, breathing Skyrim world. Like, no, get away from me. I want to I wanna be, like, in my apartment. I want the TV. I want my headphones. I just don't talk to me. I want to be in this giant, magical kingdom of Hyrule by myself. Like, yeah. I don't need online multiplayer. I don't need my friends on the couch helping me. Like, Brian, I don't know if you knew this, but you have a choice. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to play multiplayer with someone, you don't you used have to. to. You used to, but more and more... These things are becoming very intrusive. Yeah, but they're games like Titanfall, uh, where it's 
you know, it's well, it, you don't it's have a key. You don't have a choice. You have to play against humans. Yeah. But I don't think Zelda is going down that road, no matter what. But you know, Watch Dogs has multiplayer that you can toggle off where somebody invades your your game, right? Which I'm fine because so, I, I yeah I I get to ignore. It's like Watch Dogs has done great because it's literally what I do in real life when people want to play multiplayer. I don't answer the phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just to put in context for folks too, if you look at Wind Waker HD and also A Link Between Worlds. They've kind of been experimenting with this already. Where, for example, in a link between, uh, excuse me, in Wind Waker HD, you had bottles that you would find out in OpenSea that mm-hmm. had messages from other players. Some of them had photos attached, so that was a cool way to not just make it single player. Sure, almost a Dark Souls esque yeah. kind of idea. I was thinking and, Dark and, uh, Souls is got like a great yeah, model, leave, right? Leave where messages. you yeah. you you see messages from other players that could be really cool. Also, there's a, a link between worlds had. Uh, the other links, the shadow the links that you would walk into. Mm-hmm. Well, it was kind of a battle mode, but it was sort of opt-in and worked into the main world, right? Like you can find mm-hmm. someone else's shadow link and challenge them to a fight, essentially. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of cool because you got rupees from that. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we obviously don't know what this means, but uh, it could mean some cool changes if the last two experiments were decent. So I'm open to it. Yep. Cool. All right. So also other news. Uh, Nintendo lost a lawsuit to Philips. So a UK court decided... Uh, basically, the Japanese company is infringing on two of Philips motion control patents. Um, let's see. I don't want to get into too deep detail on this, but Nintendo said it plans to seek an appeal of the court's decision. Uh, patent, patent cases are always really confusing, right? Because it's like, who had this idea first? Who registered it first? And there's, I mean, there, there are companies that are just designed to troll, right? Patent trolls who register something and then go after others. And often it's easier to just pay them a little bit of money rather than paying lawyers to fight the case. Sure. Nintendo is, you know, kind of famous in the games industry for never doing that. Like, yeah. they never settle. They always fight it. They win a lot. Philips, very special friends of Nintendo's. Do you guys remember, right? Yeah, the Philips, the Philips CDI, CDI deal, Wand you know, <laughs> which didn't work out well for either company. Um, also, they made the worst two Zelda also, games ever made. Now they're coming for blood. And created a competitor overnight known yeah. as, as the PlayStation. So um, it's it's kind of interesting, like, you know, a decade later to see it or decades later to see it come, come back like this where they're fighting over patents. I did, I did the thing where I read the story and I was like, Philips is still around. Yeah. yeah. Well, they make you know it's a, it's the Dutch, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah a Dutch big company. big That's electronics right. company. You know, do, do a lot with uh, with lighting to you know television sets and so forth. Mm-hmm. But interesting. Now know they obviously they're getting anymore. into into patent enforcement. It's kind of hard to argue that there's everybody knows the Wii for the motion controllers and for Philips now to come in and say like well we were going to do that and we registered these patents and yeah you were going to do that yeah. where Philip yeah <laughs> <laughs> is his name Philip <laughs> where were you going to do that yeah. on your DVD player at, line at, at sure. the same time you know it's Bonk like you got it you also you also have to respect patents if somebody said we have this great idea and we're going to register it totally um, I'm giving Philip a hard time. He's probably yeah. a well, great guy. All right, dude. Yeah, Philip, he's, yeah. he's cool. I like the, I like his hue lights. They're pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, next story: Bayonetta three could happen as a Nintendo exclusive. Says someone at Platinum Games. Uh, that's someone being the director on the game, Yusuke Hashimoto, uh, speaking to CVG. He said, "Should the opportunity arise, I'd definitely like to keep nurturing this franchise." along with Nintendo. In terms of nurturing the content of this game, uh, there's a lot we learned from Nintendo, and if possible, we'd love to do it again and keep nurturing our child. Uh, also, he shared a bunch of quotes. I mean, we've heard Platinum sort of praise Nintendo before for coming to this game's rescue, and you know, it was something that Platinum had planned to do was try and make a sequel, uh, despite you know the, third, the first game not doing so well. Um, but and the, Bayonetta, the second game will not do well. But Bayonetta is an awesome action game. It like, is. I have it's to great. tell you, it is, it, is one of, it is the best action game I played last generation on console. Platinum cracks me up. I mean, they just, they always have such interesting games, but it's almost, they're, they're you know, they have such an indie mind, I right? Know. They're like, they make the game they want to make, and somebody might come up and go like, hey, you know, you'd sell a lot more copies if you replace the, you know, the flying chicken it's, with it's this and this weird. and this, and they're like, ah, oh, not, the not interested. Chicken. You got it, you got to you know admire that too that they stick to their guns and make the games that they want to make maybe maybe it's because we're in the u.s but like here you don't hear stories like this right it's always like yeah. a company's like man we'd love to do a blow oh wait we're all gone they, they mm. closed the studio because the game didn't sell well like yeah. bayonetta didn't sell bayonetta 2 won't sell mm. it'll it'll sell less than the first one did and bayonetta 3 which is an idea on paper right now like it's just fascinating to me that they can even be like we'd love to make this on nintendo because mm-hmm. it's like I, it's there. There has to be a deal going on here that that makes up for the fact that it's not this. That the sales numbers don't matter like they do for every other company in the world, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's weird. I, I, I have a soft spot for Platinum because Vanquish is one of my favorite games of life. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're a big Vanquish fan. That's right. Um, they are a special studio, but they do seem, with the exception, I guess, of Metal Gear, uh, their Metal Gear action game, their games just don't sell. And so, like, I'm, I'm interested to see how Bayonetta 2 does before they start talking about Bayonetta 3 and if Nintendo would be interested in mm-hmm. even giving them more money to publish that because, obviously, uh, Wonderful 101 didn't sell well either. And so... Yeah. Um, you know, I, this I think is them. It's it, it reminds me. I'm, I could be misremembering, but it reminds me of the guys that made the condo. What was it high voltage? Yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. they've often talked about wanting to do more with the con and, and it, the conduit, and it kind of convinces people to buy it and give yeah. them some time to make yeah. a better, even a better game and stuff like that. So it seems like they're making a similar play. If people want to see Bayonetta three, the Nintendo fans better buy Bayonetta yeah. two in droves. Yeah. yeah, and it comes with Bayonetta one, and you are getting something cool out of that. But uh, you were going to say no. High voltage is uh, it's inter- it's interesting. They're still around, but of course they're focusing more on mobile games now. Well, they do mm. ports Met, now Met. too. They handle the uh, Zone of the Enders port. That's on, right. Uh, PS3 and uh, weird. What yeah. happened to the Vita version? I don't of that think it's ever going to happen. It, mm. it, it, it was just to, quietly but... canceled. Like Aww. they never really officially said anything. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think they've actually you know canceled. I don't know Konami. That's up to Konami ultimately what but they want to do with it. The sure. the only other. Th- thing I, th- I think it's interesting about the whole Bayonetta story and you know I, I think Nintendo obviously came in and probably picked it up for Steel a game that was you know far along in development you know comes with an established pretty rabid fan base right we've got people at IGN who are freaking out over the game want to play it more and it looks pretty good so I'd say n- never say it's not going to sell it's not going to be a mega hit it's not going to be a million seller or anything mm-hmm. but Bravely Default was a great example where we looked at a game and we're like ah, that's not going to do well and it's like man that then it did, did actually yeah. pretty well right and maybe it is having a focused audience with the Wii U and a, not a lot of software out and it could survive there yeah, and but I, I gotta think maybe there's also more of a partnership you know similar to a Metal Gear game like another Nintendo franchise that Platinum could could um, cover for Nintendo yeah. and and I'm not just saying that this game should go to other platforms because no. I think it's amazing that Nintendo came in and did this and yeah. said I mean, it's it's so strange that it's fascinating and wonderful to me mm-hmm. yeah. that they even came in and did this. Um, I just think it's 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 interesting to see uh, a a company that is you know not <laughs> did, their game did not sell well on the Wii U. Their next game will not sell well on the Wii U, um, but they're they're still committed to it. So that's for better or for worse. There it is. That's why I say I, lo- I love that. You know, Mad World's like, are you sure you're gonna make a black and white game? Yeah. It's like, yep. Yep. Yeah. Like, yeah. Really? And on the console <laughs> that has a family audience, you're yeah. really going to have somebody... Yeah. I, mean, the, I mean, they need the variety, yep. right? They do. Yeah, they, they need other do. genres. They need to reach outside of families. And also, I just will point out, like, not to underestimate word of mouth. Like, if people do get really wrapped up by this thing, although you hear it happening less and less with packaged software, you hear mm. it more with mobile software, where it just becomes everyone's talking about it on Twitter and everyone ran out and bought it. But I still think that could happen to at least make this sell well enough mm-hmm. if not you know again not a blockbuster you I was just going to say sure. I think they're telegraphing also their financial re- relationship with Nintendo that Wonderful 101 didn't they probably made money on Wonderful 101 because they weren't they don't have to worry about the how much it sold their game could have sold one copy and they probably got all their money from Nintendo anyway yep, so like, totally. they're, they're basically saying like, we want to do more let's, let's, yeah. let's keep doing this because Obviously, their relationship with um, with Konami, with, with Revengeance, or whatever, was also very fruitful for them. So, um, I think one way or the other, Nintendo is very lucky to have. You know, Nintendo is known, and I think it's obviously true to not have good relationship with independent pu- uh, developers and uh, at least of that pedigree. Mm-hmm. And for them to wrap Platinum up, basically, it would be a huge move for them, especially as of Pear was saying. Like, imagine if you know some some purists might not like this, but imagine like a Metroid game that was like Vanquish, or imagine like. Yeah. You know, imagine like a you know a Zelda <laughs> game crazy. that was in the future that was like you know that was like Bayonetta, like an yeah. actually like, totally crazy like just they can take one of those great franchises, turn it on its head, and that studio for their poor sales is actually extremely talented. Uh, so which does uh, make, so. you know I mean you guys did hear the rumor that Wonderful One Hundred One was supposed to have Nintendo characters in it, and that's why there is a, a sword power up and stuff like that. Yeah, um, and a big hammer. You know, yeah. like. I, I always think of Sin and Punishment when I think about a Nintendo franchise that Platinum should just tackle because yeah. that's that's just right up their alley totally. and perfect for them. But it's also not a big franchise. But I think it's a cool partnership. And, you know, I think we've, we've heard a lot from Nintendo about bettering their relationships with indies as well. And Shovel Knight, you know, is, is a great example of that where they're pushing harder and I think they're making some guarantees to indies and say are saying, hey, Steam – you know, PlayStation, Xbox, these are getting, the, the platforms are getting really, really crowded. Have you considered releasing early on our platforms and we're pushing you and we're promoting you? So we'll see how, how these games will do. And if that's not their pitch, it better be yeah. what you just yeah. said. No, I think so. 
All right, cool. I mean, but it, granted, this game does well. I want to see a Bayonetta 3. I of don't course, wanna, yeah. Like, if Bayonetta 2 has some sort of cliffhanger ending and then we hmm. never hear from it again, it's going to be like the new Shenmue. Jose, right, I want to we'll see... never get an ending to Shenmue. I want to see sequels to every awesome game ever made. It's just that the financial reality stops that from becoming a, a possibility sometimes. I'll write you an ending for Shenmue if you want. I don't, yeah. yeah. <sighs> I'm sure it's already written. Yeah, I'll yeah. settle for that. He went back to Hong Kong. He's getting like little capsules out of a capsule okay. machine. He got yeah. hit yeah. by he, a car. Hong Kong, Driving. he's from Japan. No, no, he, he's, he's going okay. to Hong Kong. So, Mario, you'll, 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 see, you'll see Shenmue 3, by the way. Like, you think so? I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm pretty confident that that game will eventually happen one way or the other. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe not you know, this year or next, but like that game will happen. Yeah, just as an aside. So No, I'll wow. take it. That's a good aside. All right, last two bits of news. Uh, Mario Kart 8 is getting the Mercedes-Benz DLC. is coming to the West. Uh, you still mad? No, I don't care. You're okay but now? Actually, what I'm happy about is that more DLC is probably coming. The same, yeah. the same thing? And it's probably really soon. We're getting the same car? Yeah, the same car. Yeah. What, do you want what something you different? What did you want? You wanted a Fiat. No, I wasn't sure if that car is going to get a big push out here. You wanted some American trash? Yeah, I'd love <laughs> the, uh, the, the General Lee or something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's let's don't the Oscar Mayer hot dog or whatever. Ooh. Someone from Nintendo's listening, don't just delete what he just said. <laughs> All right, yeah, but I think uh, more DLC is coming. I think it's just a matter of time. Maybe it will be announced at a big event. We have some coming up. Comic Con's coming up. You're gonna get Walter White's Aztec coming up. Next, next DLC oh event. man, that was one of the worst. Because sorry if you own an Aztec, but that car, I, I always look at it. I'm like, how did that happen? Yeah, it was a weird. Is it a tent? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very nice. And lastly, uh, uh, your uh, sh- outlet in Europe, uh, I believe it's called Shop Two, basically posted pre-orders for Amiibo figures. Uh, so is this how much Amiibo will cost? Twelve eighty five made uh, up pounds. I'm I calling it now. Up. It's yeah, made up. It's got to be made up. What happens all the time? Yeah. I just feel like retailers around the world will always put an item into their store just so they can pr- collect the pre-orders yeah. already. Mm-hmm. And sometimes an overzealous store manager just comes up with a price. I, Let's be first. Yeah, like out of all the retailers in the world, would that one get the information first? Are you trying to disparage the the validity of Shop Two? There you go. Probably like Amazon France yeah. or something who just yeah. leaks everything. No, and they, yeah. you know, like Am- if it was Amazon, it's a, it's a lot more believable, right? That somebody would slip up and and actually have the right information. But again, like I think these things are going to be fifteen bucks, and so it's so not like the 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 pounds. Uh, what's the conversion rate here? Uh, One dollar is zero. The pound is like is like almost two dollars. Yeah, it was just under twenty bucks or something like the twenty dollars. No, it was under figure? under twenty bucks for the yeah. for the figure. Twelve pound eighty five is under twenty dollars. I thought you I thought, guys. Yeah, I, just, I thought the pound was closer to like almost two dollars right. or a pound. But I don't know. All right, in real time. Yeah, do you guys keep talking? Sure. I still think Amiibo looks rad, but I don't think these prices are real. I think Nintendo doesn't even know these prices yet. I think $20, unless it it comes, like, with a game sword on it, it's going to be a tough sell. A a pound is $1.70. I I think it's what Pear said. It's going to be $12 to $15. Yeah, well, that's what uh, Infinity goes for. That's what Skylanders go for. $14.99. It's gonna be. But remember also that like okay. game prices in the UK are extremely inflated. Yeah. In, the, yeah. in the UK, it will be more. Yeah. They pay four. Well, if it's in pounds, I mean, they pay four hundred pounds for a PS4. So, um, so that's you know, an extreme. You know, that's like almost twice as much as we pay for. Okay. That sounds nice. like the same number here, but it's yeah, the, it's the pounds. They're, they're yeah. ancient. It's, it's the pounds. Treasures <laughs> everywhere that you can find in the land, landscape. Yes, in Britain. That's it's exactly right. Hidden treasures and dragon yep. hordes and. Old druid, yeah. Dru- druid, druid yeah. prayer yeah. stones. Yeah, it's right. different from here. <laughs> so uh, some quick eShop mentions, and then we're going to take a quick break. Uh, Castlevania Three: Dracula's Curse is now on oh, 3DS and Wii U eShop. Did you invite him Celebrate. on purpose? Yes, he's, <laughs> he's one of the great games of all time. He's so happy right now. I Castlevania Three is up. just a an absolutely fantastic. <laughs> it is fantastic game. One of uh, the greatest indie 2D era of that series. Maybe the greatest. Are you going to play through it again? Series. Um, I, I could have sworn I had it on Wii already. Is that did it not ever come out? On, uh, I did. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say I have Wii. it on Wii on Virtual Console. And I have the NES card- cartridge. If, they, if you oh, had yeah, it on Wii, we'll if you had it on Wii, then it's. it's <laughs> See, a, I thought you were gonna say I already have it on all these platforms, but you're actually saying I have it already and I'm gonna get it again. The, Castlevania Three is a yeah. top ten like game of probably all time. Yeah. So um, it's a good one. It's just an extremely special. Game. I'd put it in top twenty. I don't know if I'd say right. top ten, but it's high for me. I will say that it would be the eleven if if uh, if that were the case. 
I was going to say, if you bought it on Wii, it's it's probably, what is it, like a dollar twenty-five to upgrade for Mm -hmm. Wii U? And then you get save states and all that nonsense. Yeah, also Wii Sports Baseball and Boxing are available on the eShop. So the Wii Sports uh, Club package is now complete. Oh, really? Yeah. I used to be nasty at Home Run Derby and baseball. That was my favorite. Well, now you can pitch. On the gamepad. You know, I still, I'm, the, I'm probably the only one that does this, but uh, my fiance and I still uh, do Wii Sports bowling on the Wii U. Hmm. She she didn't play the Wii when it came out, and I downloaded Wii Sports for Wii U, and she was like, "Oh, there's bowling. Let's try it out." Can, can you use the gamepad? You're like, Whoa. no, but the go- so I did play <laughs> golf. Yeah. Just I tried it the other night while I was setting it up, and it's terrifying because they tell you to put the gamepad on the floor and then stand over That's it right. and swing. And as as you swing, you see the your your putter go back and forth over the. And I'm like, oh, I'm club, not putting yeah. this thing on the floor because I'm going to step on it. Yeah. yeah. Like especially if like if you're drinking. You, you know, don't remember that uh, that <laughs> amazing moment when they revealed the Wii. Everyone yeah, in the audience was like, I oh, didn't realize oh, that it actually oh, came yeah. out though. Like they were they're like they they're like put it on the floor. It took I'm like, two I'm going to do that. It happened. That's actually the thing I remember the most from that that reveal was the weird. I was like, that's weird. Yeah. It is. Okay. It's such yeah, a I, cool I idea. It's a novelty. The, it's kind of interesting. To the zapper that holds the gamepad. Remember that? Oh, that they were yeah. playing like that sort of like silent scope style game, and Miyamoto shows up, Reggie shows up in a window. I think that mini game showed up, but what happened to that zapper? It's probably in Splatoon. Mm. Yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, it's hidden in the vault with the vitality sensor. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, Colin is going to wax poetic about Shovel Knight. our program. Jose Otero here with Per Schneider, Brian Altano, and special guest, Colin Moriarty. Colin, yeah. tell the people why. So I've heard you say around the office that Shovel Knight is one of your favorite games of 2014. It is my favorite game of 2014, yeah. Definitively. Definitively. Tell me Wow. It's a... It's a really special game. I think that like retro games and, and old school inspired games and throwbacks are pretty common now. I think that's kind of the zeitgeist right now. That's what I write in my review. But it's rare to find a game that really captures the graphical and aesthetic essence of it. And, and Shovel Knight does that with you know, the graphics and, and the soundtrack, which is awesome. But also captures the gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels like a game that was lost, like a lost game from the NES. Um, it looks a little prettier. Mm-hmm. Probably wouldn't run on NES, obviously, but oh, it definitely uh, wouldn't no. run on NES. Uh, but uh, you know, it, it's 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 a special game that that harkens us back to that time, but also takes influence from great NES games, not just any NES games, but really the who's who of NES games. And so, um, which you know, ones? Give us some examples. Uh, I think you know, obviously, its gameplay I think is very reminiscent of um, you know Ducktales and Zelda Two. I think Zelda Two is probably its biggest overall influence. Um, but you know we have you know you can kind of pogo down or use you know link sword to go down like you know downward like uh, you could in Zelda two and obviously in Ducktales and use that as a sort of platforming mechanic as well. Yep. Uh, it's stage designs, it's um, enemy designs. Um, yeah, you straight mentioned- out of Mega Man, uh, yeah, literally straight out of Mega Man in some some <laughs> cases. Um, you know, its town design is Zelda, Zelda. two meets Faxanadu. Mm-hmm. Uh, its uh, you know overworld is Mario three. Um, so and, it's, and it's so if it's that derivative, why is it good though? Because because uh, it's, it's not derivative. Yeah, that's that's the, the best thing about it. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, that's what. The, so I wrote my review. Like <laughs> it's 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 it borrows all these great m- things without ever feeling like any of those games. It feels like its own game. Um, it's very it's been very smart in what's influenced it, but it doesn't feel like a derivative product of Ducktales or of. You know, um, I even think there's a little dash of Ninja Gaiden in there, just with slashing, kind of running around. It's not a game you play from a distance, um, like you would Mega Man. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't feel stiff like Castlevania. It doesn't feel tight like Mega Man. It doesn't, um, you know, feel f- super fast like Ninja Gaiden. So it's like it's 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 a own game, and yeah. uh, it's a really really special product. And Yacht Club should be uh, applauded for making uh, a game that is so astutely. It's an astute. Uh, vision of the past. You know, it's not just a, a vision of the past. It's not just a cash in. 
What I like about about it is how co- coherent it is, right? Yeah. It's like when you first hear the name Shovel Knight, you know, it doesn't it doesn't sound awesome, right? Like I think of shovelware, which is obviously not a good thing. Yeah. But then you play it, you're like, oh man, okay, so he has a shovel. He has it for a reason too. He starts digging, and when you're doing the downward move, it doesn't really make a lot of sense when you have a sword, but with a shovel, it makes total sense, does, right? Like yeah. it's just like you start playing, you you never have to ask whether you can shovel something, right? Yeah. Like it's like it's just built into the game, and then when you start exploring, you quickly realize that the way the secrets are placed is very much like in the best games from the NES and the mm-hmm. Super NES era, right? Like, you look at the screen, you're like, could it be that they thought of this? And yeah, they sure yeah. did, right? And in your in your review at the end, you actually showcase one of the times where you jump on top of something, you hop over the level and take a shortcut into a hidden room. Yeah, it's which I really like. so Mario. awesome. Yeah, the Mario. original Mario yeah. did it, DuckTales did yep. it too. Um, I, I am absolutely in love with this game. I finished it, I'm on New Game Plus. It took me about nine hours. I did some grinding where I played old levels to get money to unlock new uh, suits of armor and uh, items and stuff like that. And I just – I'm so glad I got to see the video game industry come so far that we can look back at Mm -hmm. the same time. Like I'm glad we are where there's watchdogs and there's there's the new Call of Duties and stuff like that and there's Titanfalls. But there was something to be said about what was happening back – at, at the time and it wasn't just trickery with the simplicity that the developers were working with but there's something amazing about that era of games and it wasn't only because it was the only era of games that we could have technically made at the time but because there was something magical there that, that happened within, within those limitations well that, um, that era defined how most games yeah. at least the games that we care about and sort of look for and today the, are. and there's a lot of magic going on here like it's there there are more colors than an NES could run mm-hmm. uh, some of the scrolling is different than what an NES way could do way better animation there's, there's mm-hmm. no slowdown which you got on the NES and sprite flickering mm-hmm. and stuff like that oh that parallax uh, scrolling I know specifically there were, there were certain there were certain Certain colors that, that certain yellows that the NES couldn't do that Shovel Knot does uh, like crazy and it's wonderful. The music is excellent. You know, it's it's such a it's a beautiful game. It's got a ton of heart. And it, my favorite thing about it is it doesn't constantly go, hey, you know, somebody set us up the bomb or like it's not like constantly quoting this like this T Fury threadless ch- stuff that we've spent the last yeah. ten years like. Ta- well, it's not making fun of its source material. It's not. We've and, seen and it's, so many. And it's not. I don't do think that. it's. I don't think it's romanticizing it in that sense either. It's just sort of going like, you know, I love what you guys did back there. We respect the hell out of it. We grew up with it. It's, here's another like, here's another member of that family. And I love that clever, we can yeah. have, that we can have this at the same time as your Titan Falls and stuff like that. That the video game industry has branched to allow us to do that is my favorite thing about this game. To me, it's like when when you look at the world of film, you know, and you go back to Ray Harryhausen, and you had like stop motion animation, or you have like Walt Disney, like you know, Snow White, Snow White traditional animation, and you can have lots of CG animated movies nowadays. Once in a while, somebody comes uh, comes around and does something the traditional way, or emulates something yeah, the traditional yeah. way. Like I think Paranorman does like a mix between CG and traditional yep. animation. And it's like, and you feel like it feels different, and it feels like something that should always be around it's not like hey we've left this behind we're never going to bring this back I feel like 8-bit is that for games right yeah. where it's like yeah. the art the art just looks so good you know because yeah. it's so pure and the, it looks so blocky and you did so much with so little that when you do a game and you do it right it, it can be really special yeah, yeah. and it's, it, we almost take for granted uh, like the amount of uh, detail and animation and stuff like that in the game now but in, in Shovel Knight and I think it's the first level there's this like Liger or it's like a it's like <laughs> this eagle lion thing and he starts breathing fire at you and it does this wavy thing and it doesn't make any sense but when you get close to him he does this thing it's like three frames of animation where he flicks his hand up in the air and he just like claws at you mm-hmm. and it's just a quick a quick thing and it's just a subtle little gesture that you used to see in, in NES games all the time and now and, and you know every video game bad guy does something like it and you don't think anything about it but here just to see him kind of break out of his typical frames mm-hmm. and do yeah. something like that clever and subtle it's just beautiful it's like little details like that that i really so, appreciate yeah so i have a few comments so first uh, i think the developers were very aware that shovel knight was the name the name was ridiculous because mm-hmm. they even make fun of it in part of the story mm-hmm. i mean when you first show up in the town that is right after finishing the the uh, first level of the game the guard says to you no weapons allowed oh wait you just have a shovel oh it's all fine <laughs> and you, you sort of feel that immediate undercurrent of like humor and, and what, what they were going for even though the name was ridiculous i also think that uh Uh, To your point, Brian, just that idea, and Colin, you kind of poked at this too, but just it is sort of a vision of the past without the technical limitations of that past. Mm -hmm. It is very much 
you know, sort of what we remember those games to be without the choppy frames of animation from Metroid or whatnot, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. you know, when too many enemies got on screen, how strange things would get. And, yeah, or the flickering that would happen. And Mega Man 9 from Capcom did that purposefully. Like, yeah. they intentionally put that in there, and there was an option to switch it mm-hmm. off. But I love that the developer of this game said, you know what? Let's make this the most pristine vision of what old school gaming used to be. Yeah. And at the end of the day, they, much like those games from that generation, figure out, okay, here's our core mechanic. Let us exploit and find every single possible use for this thing. That's why when you're running around, what is it, the Phantom Knights level? It's, it's one of the undead stages that are very Castlevania. You have to use the shovel to like scoop this item out of the ground that you then have to use the shovel to jump mm-hmm. off of. Yeah. And it's so skill-based and it's so cool and it just brings back all of these memories of a time when games didn't weren't really afraid to not tutorialize and, mm-hmm. and, and to tell you things. You know, like I, yeah. that's really cool about it. I and love I that. Think, I, I, yeah, you, I think you totally nailed it. I think the Name the name is what you would call you would have called an NES game. Oh like, yeah, yeah. You can't make <laughs> it a sounds game like a now. bad Japanese yeah, translation I mean, too. You can't make a game now called Mega Man or DuckTales. If these IPs didn't exist, and for the first time ever, some company's like, we're making a game called DuckTales, and you're a 65 year old retired man who <laughs> bounces on a cane. People will be like, get the hell out of here. That doesn't make any sense. Oh, this is Mega Man. He's yeah. a blue robot that his dad made in the wood shop or whatever, yeah. mm-hmm. and he's gonna go out there and he's gonna shoot pellets and he's got a, a fake arm. Yeah, like I- nobody. They you can't do that anymore. But something like Shovel Knight, it reminds you of like what it was like in in the eighties, where ridiculous games with ridiculous titles would mm-hmm. come out like that, and it was okay. Like, yeah, was- that token weirdness is a huge part of it too. There's some chalice you get at some point in the game, and can you explain a little bit more about this? Yeah, like, so you, you can find- buy these. You can buy these two chalices that are basically like I would call them kind of like the bottles in uh, you know Link to the Past. Yeah. Okay. And uh, you can then go to this like this forest lake and off make an offering to like this fish that like then fills the bottles up with like liquids that will make you it will heal you or make you invin- you know invincible for a little while or like let that. you attract treasure yeah. yeah there's three different types and then and then he does like a dance and the funniest thing is like him and his fish friends do a dance and you can't and you can't skip it that's the best part about it it's, it's, so long, it's like literally 30 seconds long and so it was it was like it's the same thing when you go into the basement in the first town and there's the people that are and woman the woman the woman is mad at one of the knights and it might be propeller knight or something and then when you go back and talk to her she'll dance but the dance takes like forever you can't skip it that reminds me a lot of Final Fantasy what was it 4 or 6 yeah. with the dancers yeah. and the cats so you think they did that on purpose right? something, yeah. something yeah. tells me that yeah. I feel like everything was done with intent in this game yeah. Yeah. and you know the reason that Shovel Knight special to me the reason why I always hearken back to these old NES games is because in SNES games even Atari games, one of my favorite games, um, you know, from the Atari era is River Raid because I think that game is just just a phenomenal game. That's um, good, yeah. And you know, w- there wasn't at that time gameplay had to catch you, right? You had the box art, like Deadly Towers box art was infamous because it looked so good. That game sucks, right? Um, <laughs> so you kind of had to get into the meat of the game itself and get really <clears throat> into it. There was no excuses to not have a fun game. Now there were ugly games that were fun, but there were pretty games that were bad, and you always wanted to play the game that was good because that was the game that you really got invested in. Shovel Knight is able to kind of meld both of those worlds, which, uh, they, when you think about it, not many franchises were able to do, right? Like, yeah. Mega Man did it. Mega Man 1 wasn't the prettiest game, but 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, beautiful games, especially 6. If you go back and look at 6 from 1994, I don't know how that thing ran on an NES. Like, mm-hmm. it was it was so in, insane, the backgrounds, that you know, like, uh, you know, Castlevania, especially Castlevania 3, beautiful game. Mario 3, beautiful game. Mm-hmm. Um, even when you got into, like, later games, like Star Tropics and, and stuff like that, like, these were these were games that were pretty and had their own aesthetic. Um you know, but if they weren't fun, we weren't going to mess with them. Mm-hmm. And now everyone's obsessed with graphics, and that really pisses me off because I don't care what yeah. the way the game looks. I care if the game's fun. And here's the thing: Shovel Knight is extremely fun. It's, in my estimation, the best old school inspired game since Mega Man 10, and uh, probably better than Mega Man 10. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, unlike Mega Man 9 and 10, which were built, you know, by any creates on something that resembles the engine of Mega Man 2, um, this is, like you guys said, uses the technology of, t- of today in an old way. Um, you know, you don't have to figure out how to use flicker and slow down to your advantage. And when you speedrun Mega Man 2 and 3, you actually use those things to your advantage. You learn where they are. And you can even make it happen yourself by shooting on the screen at certain times. You can't do that in this game, so it's all it's all kind of skill-based. That said, one of my major complaints is the game's not very hard. Um, it's hard in New Game Plus, um, but it's not hard um, if you grew up with an NES. It's not. Gonna that's a complaint. Gonna... That's a complaint for you because yeah. you grew up with NES games well, and you I actually am. like the challenge, right? Yeah, I do. And that's what I was gonna say. Like, it, I think it's accessible. I think it's smart to be yeah. that accessible because you can play New Game Plus and have that more grueling 
gameplay if you want, mm-hmm. uh, that more unforgiving gameplay. Mm-hmm. But the removal of continues and lives um, means that you're not having that moment like you do in you know, in Mega Man 2 when you, you're struggling through Quick Man stage, you get there, you have no lives left, no E-tanks, you, you have half a life bar and you well, that, die and then you have to go all the way back to the beginning. That just doesn't happen. In that's a, that was exactly it. And that was a, a then you inc- got into that was an incredible speech, by the way. That's <laughs> really good. I completely agree with you. Uh, it is set up like Zelda 2 just from the town system and then it's got the, the an overworld and stuff like that. But you do never get that like... Wah, 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 where you have to start the whole thing over and you're like god damn it that never happens you never get a game over really in yeah. the traditional sense so uh i mean that being said there are there's one or two levels there's one level specifically where i lost about 45 lives in a row and wow. i was mad is there a life counter though or there is, just, yeah. there you, is. you can go okay. to someone in town and they'll tell you yeah there's a guy in town that will tell Talk you about but i'm glad story. i'm glad you're not taking points off for something like that because i think that is very subjective and you're mm-hmm. judging it from a from a nostalgic perspective sure. right yeah. like a lot of people nowadays will not have have that sense of accomplishment when beating a really, really hard boss, like or a really hard game, like we may have had. Maybe they have it in a different way in a multiplayer game when they finally overcome like the arch nemesis who keeps on taking them down, or they actually go up in the leaderboards. But that, you know, it's hard to recapture that moment unless somebody creates a game that is brutally hard, and at that point it loses part of the audience, and it's just not fun to play yeah. for them, right? Like I'm, I'm not that skilled at playing those games. Maybe anymore, maybe never. I don't remember. I chose to forget, but like, so I'm actually happy that it's a little bit more accessible and balanced for me. I was but. actually okay with it too. I was fresh off of a thousand and one spikes, yeah, which, which is the just, opposite. Yeah, just in terms pure of pure hell. Just have yeah. you played that game? Yeah, games. I, I played on Vita, and it's yeah. it's brilliant. It grates on me though, yeah, because it's one of those games where it's like. It's like Cloudberry Kingdom or some of these other games where it's like, ha, look how hard I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, this game is that is what it, that's what it is, whatever. And like, it's not hard, like Mega Man is hard in clever ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, like, it's not as arcane as like even games from the NES era that used to piss me off. Mm-hmm. Games that were hard, like there were parts in Castlevania Three and Ninja Gaiden where if you got past a certain point and then died and lost all your lives, they'd actually kick you back like multiple stages. Yeah, that's right. You know, mm-hmm. and you and you'd be like, are you ki-? like that? Even back <laughs> yeah, then, I'd be like, that's bullshit. That. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, like I don't, I don't like that. That kind of stuff like bothers me a little bit. But like, you know, getting to the boss doors in Mega Man Three and you have no lives left and you and you go back to the beginning like that was kind of part of it. Like you understood it more. You learned new things yeah. that you could then execute. Yeah. Now, like this is a game that you can make hard arbitrarily if you want. Don't yeah. get don't get upgrades. Don't break the checkpoints. Yeah, break the, the checkpoints if you want. Yeah. You can. Yeah, like not, I like that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, uh, actually, our, our very wrong. own uh, associate editor uh, Vince Ingenito, he did not know. So you get these uh, meal cards throughout the game, and if you bring them to this chef in the game, he'll exchange them for this, you know, this big kind of uh, fancy dinner tray with the lid on top of it. And you break the lid open, and you get the meat inside, and it gives you an extra. It's basically like finding a heart in Zelda, where it adds more to your health meter. Uh, Vince was trading in these meal cards but never opening up the dinner plate so he never got more hearts so he got to almost three-fourths of the way through the game with only four hearts which oh. is like that's a self-imposed that's, that's, hard mode you did sure. talk about the checkpoints too the checkpoints outside of the first stage are destroyable so you can basically say i can break this open and get the money in here and use the money to go buy stuff or i can let it stand and uh it's basically it's it's a gamble on how confident you are mm-hmm. to finish the stage. And there are many a time where I was like, oh, I can get through this. This is going to be fine. I'll break all these checkpoints. And I get to the end, the boss kills me with one thing, with one heart left. Yeah. And I'm like, god damn it. I, I'm all the way back at the start. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah. No, I have to agree with everyone here um, that this game makes a great first impression, especially for our age group. Hopefully it has a wider reach than that. And uh, I really think that it is one of the few games I've played in a long time that it is visibly apparent from like two minutes in that this game has a very cherished sort of soul that mm-hmm. it's just completely throwing out at you. You know, you hear it through the music, you see it through the graphics. There is a lot of love there. And uh, I couldn't help but be enamored with that within yeah. the first few minutes of playing. And that doesn't happen in a lot of games mm-hmm. that I play. I've played games where in the first five minutes I'm in the third tutorial and I'm just like, you know, whatever, man, hopefully this picks up soon, right? But from the second, from a few minutes in that this one started, I could not believe how much I wanted to keep playing it. And I even stopped playing it because I had company coming. And I was like, I need to show them this. I'm going to stop here. And I was just so enthusiastic. And that doesn't happen. And do you play on Wii U or 3DS? I'm playing on Wii U right now. I know, Colin, you've played on both, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I pretty much mained on Wii U. And I think that that's a good place to play. I mm-hmm. think that... Take your old Wii controller, turn it sideways, use like an NES controller, and you're gonna be all set. You yeah. know, like I think it feel like I said, it feels good. It's not, you know, Castlevania was really punitive, right? Like 
you had to learn how to play that game. You had to learn how to control. It wasn't so much learning how to play it. It was learning how to make Simon or Trevor move properly and like anticipate when you're going to get hit and know like the arc of getting knocked backwards and stuff. It's not like that. Like that's what made Castlevania so hard. Um, it wasn't like anything else. And the Medusa heads. Yeah. Uh, oh. But in you know and 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 when you play you know as, as Ryu and Ninja Gaiden like he's fast and you can just like like really fast and you can just throw ninja stars jump over things like keep going or whatever it's not like that either except for those uh, damn hawks yeah those hawks it's, including one hawk I think in the original it might have been in the second one where you actually have to get hit by it in order to like make it over a pit which is what like my favorite f- thing ever um, <laughs> just so, evil so. Um, you know, so there's these. There, there's nothing like that. Like it's a game that's accessible and controllable. It's not. You know, if anything, I wish it controlled a little bit more, like Mario, where you can hold down a run button, and go a little faster. Yeah. Um, but these are all kind of minor gripes. My only significant gripes with the game. Um, you know, first of all, people are asking like, why didn't you get a ten? You didn't complain about much games. I'm started at ten. Um, a game could technically be flawless and not be a ten, um, in my mind, because that doesn't yeah. mean that's not what it means. It means is it a mastery? Well, it doesn't don't, mean is it perfect? Yeah, I don't think people uh, understand the reviews are uh, reviews and not math. Like the yeah. math part of it is is a little more subjective. And scores than people... are the best. We do the best we can, right? Like yeah. the 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 major complaint with it is that all things taken equal, with the stage layouts and everything like that, it took a more Ducktales approach, which is to say. It doesn't throw a bunch of enemies at you. There's like a few enemies on a screen. Some screens have one enemy or whatever. It's much more like DuckTales. It's much more about the platforming than it is about the combat, really. Um, and I would have preferred it to be the other way around because I actually think the combat is tight enough in the game for it to have been like that. Mm. With that said, like it, it was cool to see an amalgamation of Mega Man layouts. I mean, Tinker Knight stage is... Metal Man stage, <laughs> and Treasure Knight stage is Bubble Man stage meets Wave Man stage. Yeah, right, like yep. straight up. Yep. Um, but it's Ducktales gameplay, mm-hmm. yep. you know, and and like that's what like, that's like what kind of made it so cool. Um, so and the other thing is that like they palette swap a lot with like there's not a huge amount of enemies like yep. in terms of like volume um, of types. Uh, so they pat like those wizard enemies or the knight enemies are on almost every stage and they're palette swapped constantly and like that that kind of stuff is true to form in a way, but also I could have used a little bit more there. So like there was gotcha. little gripes like that that made me feel like, well this isn't this isn't Mega Man Three, Castlevania Three, Ninja Gaiden, like that good. It's right below the Okay. You know? yeah. Sure, um, sure. And, right. and and I suggest, you know, you play it on <clears> PC. <throat> the other question people had and I reached out to Yacht Club just real quick to add, you know, some people maybe on this podcast are curious or might not care, but a lot the biggest single biggest question I have is this is coming to other platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, the answer to that is uh, I don't know, but I would suspect it is. Okay. Um, the reason I say that is because um, on their own Kickstarter, they're like, we want it on everything. There was yeah. like, so they're starting where it belongs, which yeah. I think mm-hmm. is the same way I felt about Mega Man Nine and Ten. Mega Man Nine and Ten belonged on the Wii, mm-hmm. and then it went to other platforms. Yeah. And this game belongs on the Wii, U. Yeah. but yeah. that's probably going to meander to other places. But that said, I asked them today. I did not. I didn't give them enough time to really answer me. But I asked them, and if I hear back from them, I will certainly let the IGN audience know. Uh, I think it would be awesome on Vita. Um, yeah. Yeah, I I will say to add to that, there's a system in the game called Feats, which is kind of like achievements or accomplishments, Mm -hmm. whatever, uh, and it's perfect for trophies. Like, it's perfect for that, for achievements, for trophies. So it would be an easy job for them to then Mm -hmm. port. Yeah, I I think, and I think, like, that's where Khan's going to really dig into the, like... No pun intended. No No pun intended. No more dick puns. There's so many Um, on the internet right now. I can't take it anymore. That wasn't even intentional. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, they're coming in spade, too. Sorry, well, uh, if you had anything else to add, I just want to close out because we've actually been talking about this for a little bit, and we do have to get to the question of the week, but I did want to talk about one more game before we do. No, sure, do your thing, man. Uh, So, Pushmo World. Anybody playing that? Yeah. No, I haven't played it yet. I've Um, just watched you play it. Okay, you watched me play it. Have you played it? I played it. I did the typical Pushmo game thing where I flew like a genius through like 25 levels Uh in a row and then, bop, hit a wall. Yeah. Like, reached the puzzle where I was like... This broke my brain. There's no one here to give me a hint, and I, I was I didn't want to I didn't want to hit the skip button because I hate doing that. It just makes makes me feel like a failure every time I skip. Are you a big Pushmo fan? I was so I'm like I get really into them until this happens every single time. Yeah. The the puzzles get too smart for me, and I back out. And I enjoy the time I had up until that point. Punk. But, but that's it. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I will. Call me whatever you want to call me. Call me a noob. I don't. I don't care. <laughs> Life is short. I can't be stuck on a puzzle for the rest of it. Yeah. You can skip them. <laughs> I know. I know. It's I'm hard. just gonna get stuck on the next one. No, I agree. I, at least they don't uh, penalize you the way. Um, do you remember Explosion Man? How if you skip the level, they had you run through the next level in a two-two. Yeah. Because you were, you were they were yeah. labeling you a wuss. But anyway, no, I I really enjoy it. I'm also playing it as well. It's really smart. It's another intelligence system games. I like that they've learned from prior push modes that. 
the first push mode bothered me in some sense because it was just so handholdy at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It was almost as if the designers were afraid that they were going to scare you away. So they were constantly grabbing you by the hand and saying, so this is how you use these. Okay, cool. Why don't you solve two like this? Oh, wait, don't forget. This is how you do. Yeah. And it just it was sort of this overbearing parent mentality. And with this is the third Pushmo game because the second one being Crashmo, I have to say they've learned where mm-hmm. there's a lot less of that and they're more – they're quicker to sort of let you go a lot faster and stay away even for a while before they try mm-hmm. to tell you anything else. And I think that was something Pushmo really needed. Um, that said, also the community, cre- as far as creating puzzles goes, they're doing an amazing job. Uh, you know, 8-bit sort of looking puzzle sprites of Mega Man. There's a Reggie Fiza mech out there. There's Old Snake. Like, the community is just running away. And you in can terms just of go creativity. download these, right? Yeah, you can download them straight to your system or you can use QR codes and share them over Twitter, Facebook, whatever. That's great. Um, ultimately, like, that I think is where you're going to see most of this game's potential is just in what the community does. And now having a faster way to share in terms of just jumping online is a, is a worthwhile thing. Have you gotten a welcome level yet? No, but if someone wants to, I challenge people to make a Marty Sleva. Um, there's actually a video on the site where Marty and I played with the Pushmo's creation studio for a few minutes, uh-huh. and we challenged folks to make uh, a Marty puzzle. Marty so I'd one. love to see if you can make IGN's bearded bro. So it would just be the know. whole the whole puzzle would just be 80% beard. We pull on those beard blocks <laughs> that, well, climbing well, up know, his we'll gross see. beard. Don't don't play lead designer on everyone else's puzzle. All right, we'll I'm see. giving you some we'll ideas. See. Yeah, you got some for free right there. All right, so let's uh, let's then jump into. A little bit of a more serious question of the week, which I do want to throw out there, and this is going to be uh, fairly contentious in my mind. Um, so, who do you like Nintendo, better, Colin or Brian? Uh, no, yeah, right. Brian. No, so Nintendo. <laughs> it's, it's Colin. Come Nintendo on. had a strong show at E3, and I think that some of our <laughs> listeners don't um, don't sort of get that sense from us. But they had a pretty good show at E3 in terms of yeah, you know, the entertainment, the announcements, you know, sort of their approach to trying to prove the gamepad and Wii U, and that both are relevant. Um, That said, the gamepad was a big part of the message at E3. So my question of the week to both the listeners and to everybody in this room is, did Nintendo prove the gamepad's innovation at E3 2014? Did they actually show people this is cool and this is why? I'm curious for your thoughts. No. Okay. No, they didn't. Uh, I mean, I... I will continue to use the gamepad for uh, the way I use it now, which is turn off the TV. And, and, and I played a lot of Shovel Knight like that, actually. It was just sort of kicking back, holding the gamepad and, like it was my personal television. But, I mean, the the biggest games they showed there don't utilize it still. I mean, Smash Brothers, there's no reason to, to play that Amiibo, on the gamepad. arguably, but that's not a huge gamepad feature. You're right. I, yeah, I mean, I don't really see that as, like, that... That's just a sensor at that point. That's going to be a two-second thing. Like I, that, that could have been done with a, an extra. It's peripheral. convenient, but it's not mm-hmm. sort of sure. stand out yeah. on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, like we didn't see the actual like this is a scan. Now it's in Smash Brothers. Here's exactly how that works from start to finish. We heard a lot of like this is what we're planning on doing, but we didn't actually see that. All that stuff's kind of prototype. Secondly, Zelda. We saw a huge Zelda trailer. It looked amazing. At no point did it pull back and go, and this is what's happening on the game. It's pad. too early to pull that, though. But see, that so, was I mean, my... But those, if, the, if those are your two biggest games example, of your show, then... Yeah. Th- that was my impression, too. By the way, on the Amiibo they showed for Smash Bros., we kind of glossed over it last time we talked about it. They, they showed the kind of the driver tar feature, right? Like, yeah. where you're training your character, and then you send him into battle. It sure. wasn't a huge focus of the show, well, but, like, the they revealed how it works yeah, in Smash Bros. Yeah, but the Brothers. other functionality wasn't a huge part, which I think is what our last discussion focused yep. on a little. I'm just yeah, yeah. not sure if that no, across the we haven't I, seen I, it in the others, but I, I think we kind of forgot to talk about that. You sure. are training a virtual character, so you're putting Mario on there, and then you're training Mario, and then I, you can use my trained Mario to fight against and yeah. all or that. Yeah, you so, can use and, it too. And, and, yeah. and, just, and just to add, not to be negative, I, I will say that uh, like it was not a total wash. I, I did think Mario Maker was an amazing use of it. Like so, that that was a place that was the place to show how that works, but. I think that was the one big game where I felt like okay, that's you can see how that. When you show it in a commercial, you can see how that only makes sense with a pad. Yes. Of course, you can do level editing on the screen, but it just felt so natural to draw and drag with yep. that thing. It's yep. just like I, I, I needed no explanations. I was able to just create this stuff, mm-hmm. right? But the big games that everybody were talking about, and you know, namely Smash Brothers, uh, and then of course the Legend of Zelda trailer. 
I felt like if those had demonstrated what the gamepad is used for, it would be a completely different message. What they did show were all these experimental little demos, which I, I feel like that's the kind of stuff you do when you feel first reveal the gamepad. Yeah. You say, yeah. look at the robot demo, look at the, uh, what's the, the, the tower defense, like sure. multi-screen demo, look at Star Fox, how we can change the game, and Splatoon, the so, aiming yeah, and stuff. To, to play Devil's Advocate, all there, good were, things. there were a few other things there, though, too. There was Kirby and the Rainbow Curse, yes. which we'd seen before on DS, but has is now sort of realized with Wii U Gamepad. We saw Mario versus Donkey Kong, which is a working title. Uh, and you mentioned Splatoon. You mentioned Mario mm-hmm. Maker. Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. The only way you're doing aiming in first person is through the gamepad. Uh, I could keep going on, but it was roughly eight lists, eight games. Colin, what do you think so I far? Mean, I mean, the, the, what, they... po- what pops out to me about what you're saying is that none of that's innovation. Mm-hmm. That's like... A lot of that stuff reminds me like no aiming in first person without the gamepad. It's not, it reminds me like Layer with six axes or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to play like point. that. Mm-hmm. And like it actually works though. To yeah, be fair, yeah. Layer didn't oh, quite work. Layer didn't work with or without six. <laughs> Factor five game. Yes. Um, you know, that's not innovation. The, to me, the in, in my opinion, this gamepad is the albatross around we use neck, um, and they need to figure out a way to get rid of it and make it at least optional, if not just cut it completely, because it'll make the, the system cheaper for them to manufacture and sell. They can drop the price again if they want. And it's something I think, this is something I think a lot of people don't think about or don't want to kind of put into the equation. This is something now that developers have to think about when they make their game. They it can't is. just port from PS4, PS3, Xbox 360, Xbox One to Wii without having to worry about this thing. Well, you know? and, and if they do, then they it's can. just a blank screen. No, they can. Yeah. But like the other, the other built-in function is, of course, you turn the TV off and you continue playing on your screen. And like I think that's a really cool value proposition as, as, for family homes, right? And so they could do that. But, you know, obviously everybody wants to show the unique features of two screens at the same time. What I feel like what you're saying is that we've seen a lot of that on the DS before, For right? Sure. Like and that was that. innovative. Yeah. 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 That was innovative. And, mm-hmm. yeah, like, you know, it's the same, you know, what Wii U, Wii does, or Wii U does with the gamepad in terms of remote play. What is this, you know, is something PS4 were copied with Vita or whatever. And I like playing like that. I think it's mm-hmm. really great and it works. Yeah. Um, but... Make that an optional thing. You know, not every, not everyone's going to buy Vita. Not everyone wants this thing for 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 Wii U. And there's two arguments to be made here. One is to say like, if they don't have this, then what differentiates it from mm-hmm. the HD twins? That's their and, argument. And how yeah. can they fight against them? And to me, you say you fight with your games. Yeah, you fight with your games. You know. I, and the other argument is to say, and and it's an argument I I more agree with is to say like. You don't need gimmicks. Nintendo's gimmicks and, and their and their propensity, or I guess like what people think of as them trying to chase the next gimmick, is watering down their whole gaming vision, which is to say like just focus on the games. Your games are there. That's why I loved GameCube so much because the games were there. You yeah, know what I mean? Sure. And sure. so when I'm playing Wii and I'm playing Super Mario Galaxy, one of the great games of the last ten years, I mean one of the great games of all time, but I have to waggle my re- Wii mode. You know, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I just want to turn it sideways. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, let, so let me do that. Stop forcing these things sure. down my throat. You know? Yeah, I think you know. I think what, what you're saying is uh, is interesting. I just feel like there's an instant visual differentiator when you have the Wii U with a gamepad. If you put a Wii U next to a Wii, it looks like the same machine, right? They're visually really the same. The brand U does not sound different from from the original. I, I feel like they kind of need the pad to make it stand out, even if they cannot demonstrate what you know how unique the the gamepad is for every game. That said, I did think all of the all of the things demoed at E3 made sense. Were were cool. Were exciting. Things it's just like to Brian's point, it wasn't the big games that everybody was mm-hmm. talking about that really demonstrated. Sure. And a lot of our fans, you know, are talking about Splatoon, and I think They're really are sometimes for are it. sometimes very frustrated that we're not going like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing ever. That's because we played it right, and it was it was good, but it didn't knock our socks off yet. That's why uh, yeah. it's really hard for me to land on an answer with this question because I feel like this is another example of Nintendo just almost getting there in terms of mm-hmm. the the. The lineup and the things that they announced. I mean, these are these are eight projects. Two of them were tech demos. To be fair, mm-hmm. Star Fox actually three of them were tech demos because Star Fox is nowhere near complete. It is just very very early. But I do feel like once again they're still struggling with like the idea of two screens and finding the way to focus your attention between them both. When I played Project uh, Giant Robot, Project Guard, and Star Fox, the the theme between all three of those games was having to use the gamepad well not having to but trying to balance using the gamepad and using the television to get the most out of it Mm -hmm. you could of course only focus on one but in Star Fox you do get that sort of extra edge by looking at the gamepad and then sort of lining up shots and sort of using it to your advantage to have more information or do whatever you're doing 
Brian, you got to see really quick when we talked to Miyamoto, actually, he turned on Star Fox and was sort of like playing like a pro. And I think there is potential for this thing, but I still think they haven't shown us the game that from the minute we see it, we go, well, this is it, guys. Yep. This is the one thing that could ex- that cannot exist. But that may not exist, pad. right? I don't and think like, it will. And we're never, it ever will. we're never sitting here saying like, I want to get that one game on PS4 where the, what's that slide pad thing called on the front? <laughs> oh, the, the analog the, touchpad? The, the touchpad. Yeah, yeah we're, we're like, I want to see that one game with a touchpad touchpad really yeah. comes to life or the rumble trigger from the Xbox this is a One. It's like than that. This is a little it, different I think, than I think that. this controller is, but, but is I, a bigger part of that. I know, but I think, just, but I think that's, that's what it gets back to, though. It's like, I don't think it will be a ba- well, bit of a, a different to, thing. It, yeah. it is like a smaller feature well, just like to, that. Wait, hang on. Just, sure, to, clean sure. up my, just yeah. to finish my point, though, I, I just my worry is just, first of all, I'm not focused on seeing that game, but I feel like if that game had shown up, that would have been the thing that at least calmed people a little sure. bit and been like, hey, we, pro- we proved it, guys. We did it. And we would have all been saying, yep, this this makes sense, and hopefully they continue to utilize I, it. I feel like for the most part, in the best integrations that I've seen with the Wii U gamepad are still sort of a hindrance, right? It's still sort of like uh, obtuse to kind of like work that two-screen definition right there, whereas on – the DS and the 3DS, like, when they started putting out those Castlevania games and Zelda games where it's like, the map's down here, your inventory's down here, like, it just worked. I just got it. I mm-hmm. never had to but think so about it. so much closer together, man. Well, I know. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, look, I don't design Nintendo systems, but I know whoever designed that one got it right, and whoever designed the Wii U kind of missed the point there. So I think they need to kind of retreat and do what some of us are suggesting, which is, I don't think they need to go as far as to just cut, cut the pad entirely. I think that, like, if they want to figure out how to save money, they can do that. I don't think losing the pad has any has any bearing because... You can start the Wii U without the pad, and you can start Mario Kart and start playing without it. I mean, no, mm-hmm. I know that's specifically what Greg does. Sure, um, and, and off-TV st- play is really convenient. I, and I love off-TV play, point. but I, yeah. I, don't, I don't think that they should keep chasing this thing that's really not possible. Because if they still can't do it, and third parties sure as hell aren't doing it, then maybe it can't or shouldn't be done. Well, and I don't think we will see that game, to be fair. I think they're going to ride this thing out, sort of have their experiments, have their way of you know, capturing consumer attention with really cool games here and there. But we're probably not going to see that game that it just from the get-go proves why this gamepad exists. And I'm, I'm okay with that. No, that's what I'm Some saying. I think in the end... I'm okay with that. I think in the end it is like the special controller features on the other machines. It's not like motion controls where you're fundamentally changing the game. It is, you know, for better or for worse. But, like, it, it is more like the extra features on the other controls, which can be used to great effect. Like, there will be another game where you're doing two-player, one on the TV and one on the gamepad. We've seen it in games like, you know, Sonic All-Star Racing or Call of Duty before. But, like, there will be a game that uses it to great effect where you get an experience you could not have without a second screen like that in the home unless you own multiple consoles. Sure. I agree. I mean, I think I think Altano makes a great point in the sense that this isn't Nintendo has a third party problem and this is making it worse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just making it worse. Like Microsoft always knew and Sony has finally learned that the way to get people to make games for your console is like, A, to sell lots of consoles but to beat them just make it easy so they don't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, Just port it. Just port the game and then it works and that's fine and porting a PS4 and porting an Xbox One is easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if you wanted to use the Wii U's tablet this is what I'm saying you don't have to use it you have to think about it. Mm-hmm. Well, then, and, this, and this is automatically turning me and, and turning you know developers off to it. I know that. So the one, the one thing mm-hmm. I love the most the off-screen play there is no definitive style guide for third parties on how to work that. There is not a button. When I play uh, Arkham Origins, <laughs> yeah, there's nothing. There's, when I, when no, I, there's no uniform flow to get to turn when I, on. When I, play Arkham, when, I play, when I play Shovel Knight, right, I turn it on. A little icon appears in the corner of the touchscreen. If I touch it, it goes to the gamepad. That's what that game does. Mm-hmm. Other games, you press select, it goes to the gamepad. Other games, you have to hit start on your television, go into the menu, into the settings, go switch over to gamepad, and then play from there. And it doesn't; it resets those settings when you start it back up again. There isn't a switch from screen to screen button. So, like that's that's another. Like you said, it's confusing. It's another thing third parties have to deal with. There's no there's no style guide there. There's no like this is the way to go from screen to screen. So it's, it becomes very confusing. And I agree. That's uh, they left it too free form. I think they yeah. they saw success with a DS where they let third parties riff on stuff, but they should have established a little bit more of a playbook for people, yep. right? Sure. And, right. And but well, I, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry to jump in. I just mm. wanted to say real quick, we're talking about innovation, right? And how can they figure out the innovation of this? When you when you saw this in 2007, 2008, it was immediate. Like, this is an iPhone, by the way, in case you're listening to the audio. Mm. Immediately evident. 
sure. what the innovation was, Same right? Thing yeah. when, you, when, yeah. when when Apple went to Xerox uh, Park and stole all of their designs, where they were let, and they were like, "This is what we want to do with with the mouse and the yeah. GUI and mm-hmm. the, you know the laser jet." That was obvious what they yeah. were doing. Mm-hmm. The iPad, obvious. Yeah. If we haven't figured it out yet, we've seen this thing and we've known about it forever. It, they're, they're not going to figure it out. It's it's yeah. there's no innovation there. It's sure. it's it, it's the gamepad is a response to tablet games, mm-hmm. but it's it it feels like a toy compared to good tablets. Sure, and it has low resolution, single touch, like all of these things. So it's just it's not there. It's not like the Wiimote. When we saw the Wiimote, we held the Wiimote. We were like, this is innovation, sure. and it's evident what we can do with this. Mm-hmm. We didn't have to think this hard. Mm-hmm. I think, you know? I think and it, I think that we're losing sight of that yeah. as well. Just to tack onto that point, I think it's not just a response to the tablet market, though, because Nintendo had some some really good success with two screens. And I think so also it was, hey, let's make the DS for the living room. I just don't think they yep. thought it much further than that, which yeah, is I why agree. we're seeing what yeah. we see. And the DS was, like all time said, pure innovation. Absolutely. I loved yeah. and love that machine, you know, because... You didn't have to, like, like Castlevania was a great example. It's like, this isn't breaking anything. It's just saying, like, you don't have to press start anymore. Here's yeah. the map. You know, and like that was innovation mm-hmm. to me. But at yeah. the very beginning, when it first came out, we're all like, "Hey, there's no killer app that really shows what the second screen is used for." We're like we had similar discussions like that. It's just that a year or two down the line, you didn't expect the innovation to be like, "Oh, this could only be done on the on the DS," because yeah. you could do it on other touchscreen devices. You know, your finger is just in the way; it's just a little better on the for DS. Sure. Um, that's why I'm expecting from the Wii U. I mean, I think. If the Wii U had a huge install base and some of Nintendo's, uh, you know, big properties would push more people to buying the machine, I think publishers would figure out how to use the screen. There's They'll just use them for maps or, yeah. or virtual buttons or a mm-hmm. keyboard to chat with people while you're playing. They, they'll do that. That's uh, yeah. not hard to do. No, I don't think it's hard to do, but, but I think yeah. that the value proposition is not there for them. If they think they're going to sell 10,000 copies of a game, no. they're not going to make money. And if they think they can sell 50,000 copies of a game, then they have to put some people on it and think about it. And it's just not totally. worth it. And the, the other issue is... Investment. Exactly. Yeah. But, but the yeah. other issue is that you brought this up is the portability like the xbox 360 and ps3 project list is going down really fast now and those would have been the games that would have, would have been easier to port right. to the wii u yeah they have a know? huge problem with that i mean that that's a whole other argument mm-hmm. about the pat like the innards and we talked about that i think in the past mm-hmm. about how mm-hmm. they need you know they're not going to abandon this console they're going to stick with this console they they'll go down with the ship if they have to with this console and i don't mean the whole nintendo ship i mean the wii u ship they're fine sure. financially, yeah. but the next time they need to think about making something powerful. So, well, they're going to buy Capcom, so they're going to... No, re- they're not. They're going to put Mega Man on the Wii U. Although I would love to see a Mega Man game, I don't want... The, the whole notion of Nintendo buying Capcom to me is just ludicrous. Because I'm like, Capcom's value is in their IPs, not in their talent. Yeah. Right now, outside of Monster Hunter, what really makes Capcom money? Nothing, but if they if they you know made that coveted Resident Mega Man Evil. game that, that com- you know... Bridge the uh, classic and X series. Well, that yeah. would sell 25 million copies yeah. right there. Resident right, Evil well, makes some money too. I'm, I'm actually, yeah, but not as much as Monster Hunter. Monster no, Hunter, of course is, not. Uh, That's absolutely. A in in the of, meantime, I've gotten control. okay with the third party thing, and I'm, I'm actually cool with my Nintendo Wii U being a place where I play awesome first party Nintendo games and the occasional indie game like Shovel Knight, mm-hmm. and then I go everywhere else for everything else. All right, well, listener, you've heard what we think. Let us know what you think. Either email or leave a response in the comments. What do you think? Did Nintendo prove the gamepad's innovation at E3 to you? Uh, let us know. And we've got to wrap the show here, so really quickly, let's go around the room. Say your Twitter handle. Um, Colin, you can find Colin Moriarty at? Uh, no Taxation. You can find Brian Altano at? Agent Bizzle. You can find Per Schneider at? Cursed by Taxation. No, pair, pair IGN. We're all cursed by taxation. And you can find myself at Jose underscore Terrell on Twitter. Uh, also, really quickly, make sure you come check out all of our great articles, features, video reviews. We got a whole bunch of content over here at IGN, and you should definitely check us out. And if you love to write sh- reviews for iTunes shows, please jump up on iTunes and let us know how Nintendo Voice Chat is doing. Email feedback also to nvc at IGN.com. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next week.
contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.